0: Hello everybody, thank you for tuning in to another interview for Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani and today we have the Samsung Electronics Australian Vice President of IT and Mobile, Gary McGregor, joining us on the show. Now this is an interview, as always, that's a must listen. Uh, Gary and I talk about absolutely everything and anything to do with mobile and for me it was questions around the whole fold range, 5G, we talk about the ECG feature that Seems to be prominent on most new smartwatches these days, yet none in Australia currently have ECG. Wanted to get Samsung's take on that. And obviously, a bit of a few words around their competition in the market as well. So uh, we do get to know Gary. We get to know about his tech life towards the end as well. But this is a fascinating insight into the world of Samsung. And Gary was very generous with his time. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Vice President of IT and Mobile at Samsung Electronics Australia, Gary McGregor. Gary, it's it's safe to say that 2020 has been a, a pretty big year for Samsung, you know, without even taking COVID into consideration. You've effectively released 20 new devices uh, to the Australian market in this year alone.
1: How will you look back on 2020? Uh, you're right. At the start of 2020, uh, what played out to uh, what we thought was going to play out. Layout has been very, very different for me and the, the Samsung team. I think we will reflect on how well we were able to, to adapt our business and how flexible we were to ensure that the, the communication needs of Australia were, were fully, fully met. It would have been very easy, for example, to say uh, because of COVID, it's going to be very hard to get product into the country. It would be very easy to say, actually, there's so much uncertainty around Forex, for example, that we should be putting prices up. But actually, we, we were very adaptive. We we stayed very close to what was happening. We made some real informed but tough decisions. And I think that rippled all the way through the business, from the, the local team to the head office team as well. We didn't pull back on R&D. And that's uh, when a business like Samsung that spends nearly $50 million a day on R&D, It'd be very easy to say we can make some savings there but actually we didn't we doubled down and we knew that the technology requirements were going to enhance and we were able to meet them and we didn't drop the ball at all so I, it's one i reflect on with immense pride to be honest
0: uh, no, I, and i don't blame you because even for me it feels like it's been flying for samsung and and I'm, i mean that in the most serious way in that I, I talk every week whether it's on radio or tv or wherever it is or even on my podcast and I feel like Samsung is in the rundown every week, that there's something to talk about. And it's been, it's been amazing and obviously a huge effort to, to yourself and, and the team around you. And, you know, when we think about COVID as well, um, you know, the world has changed. And in particular, how we work has changed. Here I am sitting at home. Um, usually I'd be in the office. And, you know, I have to ask whether you think that Samsung will need to adjust their thinking um, to suit the whole, whole new world
1: that we now live in, especially when it comes to product. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great question, and thank you for including us in your uh, your rundowns every every week. We uh, we really need to adapt. I think what's happened over over COVID is the market and consumers and consumers' attitudes towards technology has has changed, and Samsung as a brand has almost been seen as being very very techy very complex, and the innovation piece is almost been clouded by the fact that oh, it could be difficult to use. But what's happened in the last six months is we're also reliant on technology. We know what we need, and as such, we're, we're demanding more from our technology. So actually, I think consumers have caught up with our rate of innovation, which is really exciting. And I think they're starting to understand the, the advancements that we are making in technology. A great example is Samsung Dex, and we're seeing massive uh, strides in the corporate market because every IT head in any big business in Australia is now trying to adapt to I've got people at home, I've got people in the office, what, what do they need from their, their technology and products, for example, like the the note 20 or even the, the z fold 2 which is probably a more extreme example but the fact that all the brains and the grunt and the power is in the smartphone all you need is a monitor and a keyboard and most other things are in the cloud so as such those kind of innovations that probably didn't mean much to people two years ago are suddenly becoming front and center now so i don't necessarily think we need to adapt too much i actually think we've got Australians hot in our heels, demanding more innovation. And that's why products like Foldable, for example, has has come to market too.
0: And it leads and it leads well to my next question too, because you know, the Fold Two is a powerhouse. And and I remember when when it was announced, you mentioned that the Foldables category is one that's helping drive conversion from other brands. And I have to ask, how has the Fold Two been received by consumers compared to the original? Especially when you think about, you know, COVID potentially impacting people's ability to spend um, such an amount of money on a, on a powerful phone like that.
1: We're we're still in pre-sales for the uh, the, the fold two at the moment, and I can tell you that we are we are the number three country in terms of volume on pre-sales. So we're we're bigger than the UK, we're bigger than Germany, and that's just in a raw raw number term. So that tells me that. Uh, Australians love premium technology. Now, what we can't see is where those customers are coming, coming from. Uh, we will see that on launch day on, on Friday. Uh, but it's certainly looking at the, the pre-sales and the interest, it's four times what we had with the original Galaxy Fold. So that's that's an incredible, incredible outcome. And what that says to me is there's also premium technology if you look at where's where's the market won and where is it lost uh, entry tier has done incredibly well and that's no great surprise Mm. things like the covid safe app gave us a massive sales spike because people realized their smartphones were almost too old Uh, so that value segment being key but the premium end and arguably the ultra premium end has really gone from strength to strength because it's these people who now know what they want from technology so Yeah, we we thought it would do well. We didn't necessarily think it would do this well. And I think it's just a natural second generation. First one was kind of nice. It was a hobby. Let's see where that goes. Whereas now it's here to stay. And it's not just a, what can you do with a foldable screen? But why do you need a folding screen? It's a very different narrative that we're having now.
0: And and that question around the why is is really interesting because my favorite foldable is the Flip. You know, it takes a large screen device and makes it small to fit into even a tiny little, you know, pocket on your on your shirt, whereas the, the, the fold takes effectively a, a small tablet and makes it a phone size. You know, how is how are you guys seeing that in terms of demand? Are you seeing more people gravitating towards the the, the flip or the fold at the moment?
1: We are. obviously, the the pre sales on, on fold are, are clouding things at, at this moment in time. But what we're what we're doing with the whole foldable category is we we almost kept it very niche by by design, uh, whereas this time, we wanted to make sure it was mainstream. So you are, the, the number of stores that you can go into and touch and feel and experience a foldable screen Samsung product is going to increase by a multiple of 10. So that's a, that's a big investment to take this mm-hmm. category mainstream. And we are seeing some real interesting, as we're putting these products into stores now, uh, admittedly, a lot of people, store conversion rates are still high in Australia because people don't want to dwell in stores. They're doing all the research online, they're, they're listening to yourself, they're, they're reading and then they're going in and purchasing and making that purchase very quickly. So from a product that wasn't even on the radar to now experience it in store, but we're also spending a lot of money in the next few months just going to drive awareness of foldables as, as a category and i think we will only continue to see that go from from strength to strength
0: and and it's quite impressive because not just having the foldable range but also having such a large range of new products especially this year that are coming with with 5g it's almost become become the norm that if you're going to announce a product from samsung that it's got 5g on board these days who's who's driving that that 5g demand is it something you're getting feedback from telcos directly on or is it you know consumers coming straight to samsung saying my next phone needs to be a 5G device.
1: It's, uh, it's a little bit of everything. And the other one I would add to that, that category is, you know, is... Is Samsung are, are we are we pushing for it as well? Because we're very fortunate in in, in Australia and that we're very we're very advanced. We, we've got some of the best mobile networks in, in the world. And and as such, we uh, we require that. But Samsung has always been a, a leader. Our 5G journey began nearly seven, eight, eight years ago. Believe it or not, those discussions mm-hmm. around 6G. It's kind of frightening us to where where that will go. But 5g has been one that uh, we, we've driven but make no mistake obviously carriers have invested heavily so for us um, the, the 5g journey with uh telstra or an optus for example those discussions were starting almost two years prior to launch we were obviously served a, a little bit of a challenge with who could build those 5g networks and and who couldn't mm. but for us 5G, 90, it's over 90% of uh, 5G smartphone sales in Australia are are with Samsung. I think for consumers, there's still this, this idea of future-proofed is probably one of the most overused terms in in the industry. And unfortunately, I think one of the, the real victims of COVID was the ability, it's not just being able to download faster. I think these are all nice terms, but for example, the Olympics, if the Olympics were to happen, the ability to be able to stream the 100 meters and ultra high definition. You can only do that if you had a 5G smartphone. So we weren't able to really get those use cases uh, really cemented. I think gaming is going to be the the next territory where 5G will really come to the fore over the next few months. But it's, it's really a combination of everything that brings 5G and our focus and 5G to the Australian market.
0: It's an exciting space. And the other, the other thing that's very noticeable when you go to the, you know, the Samsung website or even just in a store is how extensive the Samsung smartphone range is now with multiple sizes, different price points. And the A-Series in particular is, is really quite phenomenal in terms of what you can get for your dollar. Um, you know, I, the way we see it is that it's potentially helping you know, steer customers from some brands that are targeting those price points. I mean, how how do you see that? Is this driven by by competitors who are playing you know, particularly in that low price point area? Or are you're actually hearing again from consumers around we, we love the S series and, and and above, but we just can't afford one and would love something similar without leaving Samsung.
1: Mm. Yeah, so there, there is customer feedback. One thing Samsung does incredibly well is we stay very close to what's happening in the market and what the, the sentiment is is within market and that was certainly one of the the core pieces of, of feedback we if we go back a few years i promise i'll bring it back to your, your question in a second but yeah. when we had uh, the, the j series products for for example the experience that people were having on those wasn't one that we were we were almost proud of as, as samsung because it was it was such a delta to what you would have on a, an s series or a note series for example and as much as carriers and retailers were driving price points of $99 or $149, when I came into this role several years ago, one of the first things I did was I said we can't continue to sell these products if we're going to grow as a premium smartphone brand in Australia. So we actually pulled out of it altogether in the prepay, and that was that upset a lot of carriers and retailers, but. When A-Series came along, there was consistency in those experiences. And that was why we, we were able to get these products at very keen price points. Mm. So I would rather have the argument with my headquarters and regional headquarters on really driving these products down to be as small margins as possible for us, but to get as many people on the Samsung ecosystem and then work their way through to an S-Series or Note series or even a even a z series and make no mistake samsung eh, across the globe and we're we're represented in over 60 markets some of those markets have different challenges than others australia is very much a apple and samsung dominant market in other markets there are more up and coming brands who were, were coming in and taking a lot of shares so we've been able to take advantage of products that were meant to compete with them and bring them to australia to make sure that they work for us so yeah a series has done phenomenally well and if you look at the samsung base growth over the the last year uh, a big portion of it's come from a series
0: so gary just thinking about the the fan edition and and sitting amongst the entire range of smartphones that you have where do you see this playing in the market
1: yeah we're, we're very excited about the the fan edition because what what we've done we're obviously committed at samsung to delivering flagship smartphone experiences. And we've taken the feedback from our S20 customers and asked them, what's the best? What do you love about your smartphone? And we've put the the best of the best into, into the fan edition. So we're bringing flagship features and a pro-grade camera uh, into a selection of six different colors. Uh, and we're doing that at a very accessible price point. As I sort of alluded to, with with the catalogue being
0: so big and we're so spoiled for choice, do you ever do you ever feel that potentially that that range is becoming too big and potentially you know confusing uh, for consumers? And, and would you potentially decrease if you if you felt that there was too much overlap?
1: We we would decrease. Uh, we we make products based on based on customer demand, and believe me, and it might not feel like it, but we don't bring every product that's available into into the australian marketplace we're we're very selective in what products that we 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 do bring in and we're constantly monitoring that and we have the luxury of a broad product portfolio so if at any time we felt a product was underperforming or it was taking a valuable slot in someone's portfolio we would be the first ones to say actually i don't think we've got a lot of science that sits behind these numbers now as well we don't think this is necessarily working let's change it for a new product that's that's coming up in the coming weeks and months so the relationship we have with the retailers and the carriers is one where we're, we're very open and honest in that regard but at this moment in time i know we have launched a lot of products but we are meeting a lot of different market needs
0: makes sense makes sense and look from my perspective samsung's had innovation in, in their veins from the beginning um you know for me it wasn't that long ago that i remember using a smartphone that had a projector built in it was a Samsung. And I remember, you know, a Samsung smartphone that had a very traditional camera lens on the back as well. I mean, you, you clearly work for a company that isn't afraid to sort of take risks and try new things. When, when you reflect on the past, what are the most memorable innovations you've seen at Samsung?
1: Obviously, cast your mind back to the, the original Note, for example. Uh, we pioneered large screen devices with that in a time when people thought, that would never ever take off. So it was it was almost laughed at when it was first brought out because at the time there was almost this push of how small can we make products? And then we added a pen and that just blew people's mind as well, why, why would you need a pen on a mobile phone? And actually what we're seeing now is you know, more and more smart devices and more companies and organizations are have this requirement to, to sign on Glass. So again, that was, that was ahead of its time we, we had the galaxy note edge that was another great one where we introduced a curved screen and one just one side of the the smartphone being curved and people thought did you run out of curves to do the other half or what what went on there but now again curved screen is commonplace and i think 5g and even foldable smartphones now that's that's very similar in that i think they're they're paving the way and a lot of people are looking but just trying to work out, is it here to stay? Is it relevant to me? Uh, I think there's been a couple where if we reflect, they were products looking for markets rather than markets looking for products. My personal favorites, and I think you mentioned it, was the the Galaxy Beam.
0: Yeah,
1: That was a phone with a projector. Uh, a lot of people in R&D got very excited, but I don't think the market shared that level of excitement. And then there was a the Galaxy Zoom, and that was essentially if you took a, SLR camera and a smartphone and glued them together. That was what that looked like. But again, we knew camera was critical for smartphone and it might not have been the best execution of it, but it does highlight the relentless pursuit of, of innovation.
0: When some brands um, release a new feature, it can be seen as groundbreaking. And I won't, I won't name names, but it's, it seems that way sometimes. And this is despite the fact that a Samsung device, for example, may have already had that feature for years. I mean, just wait in a couple of months when when five G gets, um, you know, enabled on on some products. Why do you think that is? That um, that that it just appears different in that way.
1: I think brands and brand power obviously play a, a key key part in that. Samsung is obviously the sixth biggest brand in in the world, and we. As I said, it's innovation and for me it's meaningful innovation. I think we've innovated incredibly well and what I'm seeing is there's almost this societal shift now to Australians demanding that innovation. So features such as wireless charging, IP rating on smartphones. When it gets introduced by other brands it's almost seen as wow this is this is pioneering and again i think that's to, to do with the strength of the strength of their brand and sometimes it's, it's good for all of us when these features get taken mainstream because once people start to look into the stability of that technology they realize that samsung's had it for many many years and we've gone through various iterations and i think you need to look at how these smartphones are built and the inner workings of these devices as well our our supply chain and we're one of only two organizations that owns the the end-to-end supply chain of of our products so yeah it's uh, it's fascinating but i actually think with the 5g and the expectation around 5g becoming a little bit more mainstream and certainly more skews of products supporting 5G. Again, it's going to ask Australians to to make a choice on what smartphone they they go with and 5G and what I think is interesting when people do start to do that research, they realise that not all 5G is is equal. Mm. 5G is a, a uniform term. However, Uh, The the Optus network for example is very different from the Telstra network Which is going to be very different from the the Vodafone network and our focus around R&D is working with these partners Years out to make sure our products are optimized and the customer has the best experience on on 5g It's not a let's bring one model in and uh, you have a, a reasonable experience on all. It's really how do you exploit? Uh, the capabilities of 5G and that's why the and where the closeness of working with carriers in particular is really, really important in Australia.
0: Nice. And, and looking at wearables for a moment, um, you know, we've been just discussing a lot of smartphones here, but, you know, Samsung has been in the smartwatch and really activity tracker arena for a while now, and, and it continues to improve. I mean, I'm using the, the Watch 3, for example, and, and quite like it. Um, they're compatible with any smartphone, which is, which is one of the biggest benefits when I'm changing phones uh, as often as I am. Do you see wearables, uh, I guess, including audio, um, audio products that Samsung sells, to potentially be a carrot? To other branded smartphone users, to almost start that relationship with Samsung, and then potentially, you know, after when they need a new phone, they're going to consider a Samsung phone because the accessories have worked so well.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jeff. That uh, that is the way we the way we see it, and we're fortunate in Samsung as a brand in that we have multiple products, and there's various ways we can bring products to, to market. And for, for me, products like the, the Watch 3 that you mentioned or even Buds Live, mm-hmm. which has, has just launched, we, we have deliberately priced them very aggressively. Not that there's any lesser technology versus the competition, but because we want consumers to experience the these products and they're very personal products. A, a watch or something that you put in your ears is very personal to you. And then from there, once they start to understand that and the 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 products within the brand and how they all start to talk to each other, then it would be natural for them to look to move to a Samsung smartphone or a Samsung tablet, for example So we are we're very excited about the the wearables and hearables category And I think you will continue to see a lot more aggression from us in in the market there Just for the simple reason that the products really are incredible Hmm. they 're engineered the r and d that we put into smartphones goes into these products as well, and we want as many people to experience them. but the benefit of ours versus others is, as you say, you can use them across other other products and platforms as well so we are we're seeing some very good results with the Galaxy Buds live and the watch three thus thus far, so yeah, long may that continue.
0: Good, good. And one big acronym that we see all brands adding to their wearables is is ECG. Um, you know, one brand announced it almost three years ago, but it's yet to appear um, on that wearable in Australia. Um, the Watch Three has that potential capability as well, and I'm I'm assuming that uh, you know conversations with the TGA and and the process around um, making this actually available in Australia is is difficult. Can you comment around how? the ECG functionality is coming along when it comes to Samsung?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a great question. And it's a very, very topical one where we look at the, the future of wearables. And it's going into quite a it's starting to change uh, health and health care and the relationship that people would have with their doctor going forward as well so it's actually it's not just a case of of ticking ticking a box and saying yeah it's approved and we we believe it it works the way it's meant to uh, so it's got fundamental knock-on effects on, on the industry so we never expected uh the, the process with the the tga here to to, to be straightforward. It's, it's going to take time. Uh, I still think we're, we're several months away. Our focus is to, to get uh, that accreditation in 2021. But just to give you an idea of the, the differences, because some people will say, oh, in Korea and the US, uh, you know, you, you have the, the relevant uh, accreditation. But in Australia and New Zealand, and, and rightly so, uh, we the TTA focus on both the hardware and the software whereas in the, the US and Korea the focus is really just on software only so it's very easy to to approve the so- the software but getting the hardware and software in that interaction so we are we continue to work very very closely here in in Australia and I'm confident that going into next year we'll be able to have some positive messages but yeah it's definitely not something that happens overnight, but we're, we're really encouraged this far by the, the progress that we're making.
0: Good, good. We'll, we'll, we'll be waiting for 2021 to see that come through, I think. And um, <laughs> when you when you consider the entire range of, of products that Samsung plays in, there almost isn't a room in the house that's not impacted by Samsung. Um, but when it comes to the mobile side, how how difficult is it to ensure that the next product that you release from Samsung remains compatible with, the the fridge, the air conditioner, the the air purifier that I've got here as well. I mean, how how difficult is that, is that juggle?
1: It's, uh, you use the word difficult. I don't, I don't think it is difficult per per se. One of the reasons that uh, we, we have smart things and smart things is essentially our our platform to to ensure that uh, within the home, all these products are naturally and seamlessly connecting. I think that the difficult part in all of this isn't the the physical can it talk to each other, but actually the focus for us is on user experience. So does it seamlessly interact? Do these products recognise each other and talk to each other the minute they are put in a room together? And that's really where we we push the the innovation at uh, at Samsungs. And I think there's a a basic level of connection, and I think Australians. Uh, experiences to date with this idea of connected, connected home have been quite clunky. For us at Samsung, we want to make sure that, yeah, we're very fortunate in that, you know, nearly one in every two households has a Samsung television and our fridges and our washing machines are going incredibly well. And it really is the future. And it's scary because the Jetsons is is coming real. <laughs> but how do we make sure that these products work seamlessly? And that's really what's keeping us, us awake at night. And again, we're making some phenomenal progress there. And make no mistake, as much as the consumer electronics business and the mobile business uh, can look as though there are two different functions. When it comes to this level of integration, SmartThings as a platform sits across both of them equally. So we, we make sure that we're talking to each other very, very regularly. Good,
0: good. And lastly, uh, around around Samsung, lastly, um, we've seen the, the whole team, especially your, your Australia-based team, um, put on incredible virtual briefings, um, product launches, information sessions throughout the year. Um, and it can't be easy to, to redo all the initial plans you probably had at the start of the year and, and suddenly go virtual. I guess I've got two questions around that is sort of, A, how is the team doing? Um, and B, how, how much do you think will revert back to pre-COVID methods? And Will, will this be a new norm?
1: Yeah, great, great question, and uh, thank you for acknowledging the team because as much as. Uh, I'm the fortunate one that gets to to talk to you. There's a significant amount of people behind the scenes that are yeah. doing an incredible amount of work. And when you cover retail, when you cover marketing, when you cover sales, finance, there's a lot of functions that that sit there. And the team of the team have had to to adapt. And particularly around April and May, I think those were really our our toughest our toughest months. And there there was a lot of really uh, hard discussions around how we how we take what budgets we have and make them meaningful um, putting on events like you you had it's very easy to say oh, we we have an event coming up, and you know it 's conference season at, at this moment in time, so everyone 's adapting in one way or the other but we we had to make sure that as samsung there 's a level of responsibility and us continuing to innovate even when we do these things so I, I think We've we've performed incredibly well. The asks on the team have been significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where we haven't really given them a break either because historically when we would launch note things would we'd have a little bit of a lull before the next series product this time around obviously with Fold two with uh, the fan edition coming out as well we're, we're really got a lot of momentum and if you see what we're going to do in market in terms of our, our marketing and comms plan for Australia our investment is significantly more so we've taken the opportunity to to double down, not because we <laughs> we want to run people into the ground, but because we see an opportunity, and Australians are listening, and we have a responsibility around what we what we do in technology. To answer the second part of your question, will we get back to will we get back to normal? Yeah. Uh, I think the the answer is somewhere in between. Mm. Uh, I, I genuinely the. We've got some people back in the office. We've, we're operating a team A and team B within the office. People have found a way to, to work from, from home. Sadly, our teams in Melbourne have been really impacted, so I'm making sure that we we keep a virtual arm around them and they, they continue to be feel as though they're supported because that's incredibly tough. But I don't see us getting on planes and traveling halfway around the world the same way that we, we used to. Even traveling interstate now, I think the capabilities that we have over, over video and the mobility within that technology, I actually think the, the world is, is going to be a better place. It's not necessarily great for airlines, but I think the technology that we have today Is has given people the confidence and I think we're all the same. The first two weeks was horrible even for an organization like Samsung, we found it really tough to adapt. But when you're forced to you find a way to make it work. And I think that's what we've done and everyone's now very comfortable with the way that we're working. That's a great
0: point. And and I think you wouldn't have had this level of of change if it wasn't for COVID. and I think it's really if, if there has to be a good thing that's being pulled out of it is that it has change the way that we work and, and to your point for the better um so i i completely agree that's right now now gary the rest of the questions i ask uh, everybody that we interview um they're they're pretty straightforward there's no wrong answers um and they're usually quite short and sharp but uh what's your favorite okay. app to keep you organized
1: to keep me organized. I, uh, I generally, yeah, it's very boring. I use my, I use my calendar. Everything is, is on there and I'm very fortunate and I've got an EA that is way more organized than me. So she has access to that and tells me what I need to do.
0: Important. I like that. And what's your, uh, what's your favorite social media app?
1: My favourite. I'm still still a Facebook tragic in that regard. I've got a lot of uh, family still back in Europe, and I think probably now more than ever, my mum is is very excited. She uses a Samsung tablet at home, and she is a demon on Facebook. Uh, so I, I need to try and keep up with her. I
0: like that. And uh, when you do have five minutes to spare between meetings, what's the first thing that you want to do on your phone?
1: Uh, I tend to catch up on the news so I will look at uh, news.com or Sydney Morning Herald to see if uh, there's anything new and we're fortunate in that uh, you know technology plays a key part in everything that's going on so it's important for for me and the company to keep up with what's what's happening out there
0: Hmm. and potentially uh, a bit of a a bit of a no-brainer question here but do you wear a smartwatch or a traditional timepiece
1: (laughs) I'm very fortunate in that yeah I I love traditional timepieces and it did take me a while to to win me off them. I was fortunate in that I saved up for many years to get a a Tag tag Hour Monaco, so the square-faced elf edition watch, which I was very excited about and it was hard for me to give that up. But to be fair now, I've not used it in years. Uh, I am loving my Galaxy Watch 3.
0: Maybe just for special occasions or something like that. Um, Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Gary, when we used to jump on planes, uh, did you use the in-flight entertainment system or would you bring your own device?
1: Uh, I would actually use the in-flight entertainment system as most as I could. And I would try and almost multitask. And I think it made me feel good that I could be working on my laptop whilst listening or watching what was happening in the screen uh, at the same time. So, yeah, I was a very... I would be that annoying guy on an overnight flight who would have the screen glowing whilst you were trying to sleep.
0: Probably the one thing I miss most actually about flying is, is the flight. I, I, the whole thing around travel, couldn't care less if I can't go to another country, but the actual flight, that eight hours or more just sitting on a plane with the world to myself, disconnected, absolutely loved it. Um, Gary, what do you love to do to disconnect? I mean, obviously you're surrounded by technology. How do you get away from it all?
1: I'm very fortunate in that I've got three lovely boys who are nine, six and three, and wow. they, are, they are boys' boys, so they love rugby, soccer, mountain biking, anything like that, so that's my, that's my release, and people ask me a lot of, how do you disconnect? How do you make that I can promise you the minute I walk in the front door of my house? I've got no choice but to to disconnect so Yes, they're uh, they're good samsung advocates. I know my uh, my eldest son Is likes to do public speaking and uh, he wants to do public speaking on the benefits of samsung versus apple So I'd, oh, wow. i'm fascinated to see where he goes with that
0: <laughs> I like that and uh, obviously <laughs> this podcast is called technology uncorked the the Thursday episode that I normally release we're talking about news and reviews I I do it over a glass of wine Um, Gary if you and I were sitting down together today we're obviously virtual but you know if you were ordering a drink from the bar what would it be
1: it would be depend on the the circumstances with with dinner I'm um, I'm a red wine tragic and uh the the heavier and the chewier the red wine the better so more Mm. more shiraz and barossa valley shirazes i am absolutely loving uh however on a on a hot day uh, my wife has got me going gin and tonic crazy so gin is having a big resurgence at this moment in time so Mm. shiraz gin from four pillars is a favorite in our house mixed with orange Mm. uh that seems to be the the tipple of the moment like it, like it. Well, mate, next time we do catch up,
0: hopefully uh, we can do this in person and I'll, I'll try and remember that much for your order.
1: I would really like that, Jeff. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Gary, mate. Thank you for joining the show.
1: No, thank you very much for having me. really appreciate the time. Thank you.